This is the Live Your Edge podcast, episode 15. This is Gilbert. Welcome to the podcast. Today, our guest is Joshua Daniel George, an expert and specialist in lifestyle design. Joshua helps his clients build the life of their dreams. We'll be talking about some of the business models that he uses. And some of the possibilities that you can experience when designing a life on your own terms. Join me in welcoming Joshua Daniel George. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm here with Joshua Daniel George, and today we're gonna talk about. Lifestyle design. Welcome to the show, Joshua. Thank you, Gilbert. Thanks for having me on the channel. So you started off when、uh, starting off by creating a social media、uh, company. So you're the social media expert, and you help companies with their strategies. And you've been able to create a six-figure business in less than twelve months. Why don't you share a bit about your backstory? How did it all begin for you? Okay, well,、uh, for those of that, that that completely don't know who I am,、uh, my name is Joshua George. I'm 24 years old, and I'm from、uh, the Netherlands, born and raised in the Netherlands. And as you can hear from my accent, I'm actually from English descent. So my parents and like the rest of my family are from the UK. And、uh, my my first business actually was、uh, online coaching like、um, business where I I, I kind of help people with、uh, fitness coaching and、uh, help them you know get. On track with their nutrition、uh, as well as their fitness, you know, help them lose weight as well as gain muscle. And I actually I, I realized quite、uh, like quite early on that the reason why people's fitness wasn't wasn't on point, wasn't to the the standard they wanted to be, was because basically they were brought down by like social norms, societal norms. For example, I had a client who would be like, really motivated during the week. And then over weekends, he would go out and party, and he would ruin his entire diet because he was too like afraid to tell his friends that he wanted to stay on track and he wanted to to reach his goal. And basically, like there's a few different like examples of that. And I realised that the reason why people were like unhappy with the fitness was because they weren't living life on their own terms, like they weren't、uh, doing what they love basically. And that really got me thinking. Okay, maybe I, I need to stop teaching people about fitness and start showing people how to live life on their own terms. And alongside that was obviously where I started thinking to myself, okay, what、well, what do I actually want to do? How am I living life on my own terms? How do I want to do that? And I realised that I'm a creative person. I like、um, I like anything to do with social media, like content creation. And that was how I got into like social media marketing as well. I started helping companies. With their social media, with the brand, and it started off with creating content for those companies. And then when I got into it a bit more,、um, I started offering Facebook ads,、uh, as well as like、uh, sales funnels and lead generation and all stuff like that. And that's basically、uh, how I got started. Great. What was your biggest hurdle when you had to transition from after university? Used did you work in any companies, or you you went straight into?、Uh... Starting your own company and your own practice. No, actually,、um, after university, I, I got into a bit of a rut. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do.、Um, you know, I just finished a degree in business, but I, I re- like I felt like my degree 
just got me ready for like the, the, the job world, you know, business world, the nine to five job. And that's something that I did not want to do. So I basically, I felt like I spent four years on like the wrong path and got in a bit of a rut and not necessarily depressed, but like I felt really down. And um, in the end, I started thinking, okay, what do I actually like to do? And what can I do alongside like building my own business or figuring out what I want to do for the rest of my life? So I actually got a job as a fitness instructor for about six to eight months. And the, the beauty of that was obviously that the work hours were flexible, so I could work like night shifts, I could work in morning shifts, and it wasn't like nine to five, so I could, you know, still plan my day around the shifts, and I had enough time to actually figure out what I want to do, and also figure out like all the ins and outs of social media marketing. Okay, so what does lifestyle design mean to you? So lifestyle design is basically designing the like a life of your choosing, so living life on your own terms. If, you know, if you've got a passion for traveling, then design a life around travel, you know, being able to work a a location independent job so that you've got the option to travel. But obviously, you know, uh, not everyone wants to travel, but, you know, that's just an option. If you want to be financially free, you know, then you can work your your life around being financially free. So it's basically just uh, having like passions, hobbies, things that you like to do, designing your life around that. Right. And uh, knowing that you are now location independent and you are traveling the world, how have you able to been p- putting all of this together? I know you created a course called or an ebook called the uh, Lifestyle Design Playbook. Why don't you t- share a bit more about this and what, what type of uh, elements would you have to have or elements that you have to master before you are really uh, living this location-independent uh, lifestyle and also having uh, money coming in every month to support it. Yeah, I understand. So um, basically, for me to to live location-independent, I needed a business model that was completely online. So my entire financial vehicle, so social media marketing, is done online, and it does not matter to the clients if uh, on the beach somewhere, in Bali or if I'm you know at home at my desk in the Netherlands it does not matter to the clients as long as the work gets done because there's no boss like looking over my shoulder there's no you know I don't need to be in a certain uh, place to, to meet up with my team or anything like that everything is remote so like my my team work on their laptops we stay in communication through a program called Slack or sometimes we use WhatsApp and you know like I said the, the client for the client it doesn't matter as long as the results uh, keep coming in so uh, you know, basically, the the biggest hurdle for people is to actually get onto a financial vehicle that allows them to do that. I think it's Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week, really explains in depth how to do that, and also how to, if you have got a desk job, how you can actually convince your boss to let you work from home. And then, obviously, when you when you're allowed to work from home, it doesn't matter if you're you know if you're actually home home or if you're somewhere else. But um, yeah, I think like the most important thing is actually having a financial vehicle that allows you to do. You know, to live a location independent life and in terms of the playbook basically the the playbook just explains various business models various financial vehicles that allows you to do that so uh, you know social media marketing is definitely not the only way to do this you know, there's a lot of ways to to to, to live location independent uh, for example you can monetize uh, almost any type of hobby or passion that you've got uh, through like digital products through coaching through courses 
and stuff like that. For example, if you're into if you're into a painting or art or anything like that, you know, that it doesn't mean that you need to have like your studio in one one place and you're only able to sell uh, your artwork in one you know one location. You can actually create digital products. You can create eBooks. You can also I have workshops all around the world. You can even create a course on how to how to paint or how you create art or anything like that. You know, there's there's always ways to monetize your passion. Uh, basically, in the playbook, I just explain like what what the options are, so people have like a a foundation of knowledge on how they can do it. You know, to to build on further from there. Yeah, the Four Hour Work Week. It's a classic book, and it's been out since since two thousand seven, and just more than ten years, and more than a million copies sold. I think that a lot of a lot of people have read the book and do want to join this, uh, be part of this lifestyle design movement. And now with the gig economy, it's much easier to mobilize your teams uh, overseas and. You know, outsource some of your work to the Philippines, or you know, find designers for your work, so that one one person can't do everything. But having your team uh, scattered and uh, working remotely, like you said, on communicating on Slack or WhatsApp, etc. So, in terms of your team, do you have people that work in full time on it, or is is it really like uh, freelancers and uh, gig workers that work with you? Uh, to deliver solutions to your customers. Yeah, so basically, our entire team are freelancers. Like we've got no one on actual payroll, and the reason for that is because uh, like our work, our work, the amount of work that we get is based on the amount of clients that we've got and like, how much work that we need to do for the clients. So basically, our agency shrinks and expands like to the. Like to the amount of clients that we get so uh, we've got we're a team of nine at the moment we've got like maybe 10 11 uh, freelancers that are like like backup that we, we we've got like on we've got the contact information but we don't necessarily use them just yet and then if you know if you get a big client that requires more uh, graphic designers or more ad experts then obviously we take on uh, more of those freelancers so that is why that's the reason why we don't have payroll because like we don't necessarily need to use everyone and with freelancers you know it's easy to can you just explain that there are no not enough clients at the moment so they can find like all the jobs or other people to work for and then you know when the agency expands again then we can take on more freelancers so let's just sort of deconstruct your your company your business model for a moment okay you have freelancers and uh, gig workers helping you with uh, managing the clients and, and doing work so how do you how, how do you decide who would be uh, suitable to to do the work what criteria do you have in place like what sort of vetting operating procedures do you have to decide yeah so actually I, when when i started out uh, my criteria were much different than what they are now uh, when when i was just starting out I just went for like the cheapest outsources. I went on Upwork. I went on freelancer.com. And um, like, like you explained, you know, went to like the, the Philippines, India, tried to, to get cheap labor to do the job for as cheap as possible. So my profit margin was obviously uh, much higher. Nowadays, like we do actually go for quality rather than, you know, price. So, you know, we, we do really look at results. For example, if we go for an ad expert, we want to know uh, what their return on investment is for previous clients, for previous, you know, ad accounts for businesses and stuff like that. In terms of graphic designers, again, same thing. We want to see a portfolio, you know, look at the quality of work, what programs do they use, do they work with Photoshop, uh, or do they work with, like, simple programs like Canva.com, stuff like that. So the criteria now is quality much more than price. 
and we are like much more willing to pay a higher price. Obviously, that's the fifth within the budget of the the client. So if the client pays us a thousand a month, then we won't be paying two thousand a month, you know, to to outsource the work. You know, it has to be within those uh, within that boundary. But other than that, you know, we really do look at quality rather than uh, price. And how has social media played part or helping you build this business? Particularly, for instance,、uh, you have a Instagram. I, we met on Instagram, so I noticed that you have you have a big presence on there, a big following. How has that played a role, and how has that sort of helped build your business? Yeah, I understand. I think it's been vital. I think I when we get in contact with clients,、um, so when we get based, so our business model, we we help clients with their social media. So、uh, obviously, it's sort of social proof to show them, like my own account, my own YouTube channel, my own Instagram account. So every single time I am in contact with a business owner or a business or、uh, any type of potential client, I actually send them my my own social media profile, my own links,、uh, just to show them that the quality of my work that I'm not just Um, you know, just some guy in a third world country, you know, trying to offer cheap graphic design, you know, anything like that. And、uh, but even the even having social media in general, like if 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 I did not have an Instagram account, I would never have stumbled onto the likes of Ty Lopez,、uh, you know, and Gary Vaynerchuk, all these other、uh, online entrepreneurs. And I would never have understood the whole concept of social media marketing. So even just to to to, the, to start the the whole business model. I would never have found out that it was possible if I did not have social media myself. So your route is really、um, social media because that's your business, pretty much helping people with social media. So it makes sense that you also have a very strong social media presence. But I also argue that social media is crucial because we see in the future that influencer marketing is not something that's going to go away. It's not a fad. Eventually, everyone's going to have their personal brand and represent it. On social media platforms, whether they have a small presence or a huge presence, consumers are increasingly spending more time on these platforms. That said, how do you? I'm also on you know social media, and there's a lot of channels out there. I think one of the biggest、um, challenges that people face is which platform do they you know spend more time on in building this. Um, because you know that you know what you mentioned with the sales funnels and finding clients on social media. Now people have courses on how to prospect with、uh, Instagram and、uh, stories and and all of that good stuff. So how do people pick which platform to engage their customers on? Yeah, I understand. So、um, I think in terms of like your personal brand. So if separate from social media marketing, if you're just out there. If you want to build a personal brand, are you looking at what platform to use? I think it should be a platform that resonates with you most. So, if you're really good with images, you know, if you like、uh, the visuals, then obviously Instagram. You know, if you're better with text, then maybe you know Twitter, LinkedIn,、uh, Facebook. And if you're really good, like communicative, then obviously YouTube. In terms of like actually like mo- like monetizing, trying to get clients, I think Facebook. Is a really big factor in all of that. Like obviously, Facebook ads is like one of the most like undervalued thing form of advertising at the moment. You can target so specifically; it's unbelievable. Like, you can get, you can target people with a、uh, household income,、uh, no job、uh, titles, anything like that. You can target like so specific in, as opposed to、uh, like newspaper advertising, billboards, anything like that. 
So Facebook is definitely a platform that you need to definitely need to have. And then obviously you've got the two big ones, Instagram uh, and YouTube. It depends on, you know, what you feel most comfortable with. I think just to give uh, people a bit more context, uh, perhaps we can share maybe one of the the models that you mentioned in your in your ebook and i i'm pretty sure it's sort of like you got the engine and the engine is uh, what's bringing in all the leads all the traffic part of that is the social media presence so we can start with that and then we have a a platform uh, which you're communicating your products and services could be landing page and then you also have the the back end which is actually the course itself or the the products and that is really like driving this engine Maybe we can share a bit more about that because some people listening, uh, they might have experience with working with uh, sales funnels or you know, some of them have Amazon Amazon stores. So our audience, typically a lot of them are digital nomads. A lot of them are already starting out their own small business. But let's sort of give them more context because some of them are not really active on social media yet. And I think that adding this element will greatly enhance the, the chance that their business would uh, draw in a, enough revenue for them to quit their job if they're working in a job, live that uh, location independent lifestyle. Okay, so would you like me to explain how a sales funnel works or just explain like a, a business model? Yeah, so maybe a, a business model that um, you've seen has, has given you a lot of uh, you know, success over the, the years and, and maybe share a bit about the, you know, the parts, the moving parts inside. Yeah, I understand. Okay, well, um, I think it's probably easiest to explain my own business model which is uh, social media marketing, as I explained. Basically, I, I, in my opinion, it, it's, it consists of four pillars. The first pillar, obviously, being outreach. You, know, you, you need to be able to reach out to clients. You need to be able to get in contact with clients. Uh, for me, the biggest form of outreach is uh, still through freelancer websites. So I'm active on Upwork. I'm active on freelancer.com. And uh, basically, I look for other businesses that need help with their social media. Now, obviously, I'm not a freelancer. You know, we are an agency and I've got a team. But as soon as you get through that first barrier of getting in contact with the client, I just immediately explain, okay, listen, I do not work hourly. You know, I'm not a standalone freelancer. I have a team. I have an agency and we work fixed rate. Is this okay with you? Like 99% of the time, they are more than happy with that as long as they get the results. So that is like my go-to way of getting clients. Then obviously, you've got uh, the second pillar, which is sales. So you need to be able to sell your services. And I think all this comes down to is confidence. If you believe in what you're selling, if you believe in uh, the results that you can get the clients, you know, then then it's just basically just communicating with another human being about what you can offer them. And then in exchange for that, you get money. And I think it's a, it, that's basically a really simplified way of, of explaining what sales is. But um, I th- I've noticed that by keeping it like this simple in my mind, it's given me a lot of confidence in uh, doing the sales. The third pillar is obviously like project management. So you need to make sure that uh, if you're taking on various clients, if you've got like various moving parts, you need to make sure that everything is managed properly. Um, you can get someone to do this for you or you can you know, make sure you keep it all uh, managed yourself. And then obviously the last pillar is development. So making sure that you get results for the clients, make sure that everything you promise the clients gets done and make sure that you get a client return on investment. So if the client invests a thousand dollars, euros, pounds a month in you, then make sure that you know he gets maybe two thousand dollars in either leads or revenue back. I think quite sum it up with how you can really 
create a business and generate revenue from it for you with social media for others it might be something else and i can see it sort of crossing over with you know different models like so, so for instance uh, people selling on shopify or selling on the amazon merch or amazon fba etc i think that it's still quite similar if if not the same because you're just bringing in customers you're you're finding out uh, you know what products can uh, convert the best bring in the most traffic and revenue and as well managing your your cost so let's move a little bit on to sort of the lifestyle side because we've been talking a lot about how to make money and how to build your own uh, business could start off as a side hustle and then slowly turn into a main hustle so what are the uh, the benefits that you'll be able to achieve uh, lifestyle wise uh, living your lifestyle like just share a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you've been able to do, places that you've been, you know, sort of based on what your definition of lifestyle is. Yeah, okay. Like, really, I'm a really big fan of traveling. I, like, even when I was in university, I couldn't wait to, to graduate to actually, you know, go travel and see more of the world, experience different cultures, different cities, and uh, like explore, basically. And so that was like one of the main factors in like, like if I wanted to live life on my own terms, that would, I need to uh, live a life means for me, uh, allow myself to live location independent. So that is actually what I've been doing like most of this year, being in a different country for at least like a, f- a couple of days out of every month of this year, Paris, London, uh, Toronto, Belgium, the UK a few times, like amongst other countries and actually just got back from Munich as well and I'm already planning my next trip to either uh, Milan or Vietnam not really sure which one just yet you you talked about some of the places that you enjoy going to so you you say you've been traveling around Europe so where's the best like what's the most interesting place you've been so far Uh, it's definitely got to be Rome and Italy Uh, just the whole place the vibe it's um, actually a lot of people explained to me that Italy was very expensive and they, they tried to talk me out of doing it for years because I've never been to Italy before in my life, that this was the first time uh, that I went, was uh, last month. And I got there, and the people were friendly, you know, the, the food and drinks were cheap, and the whole city was just, like, really, really, like, beautiful, nice looking. No, it wasn't too busy. Um, we had, like, a, an apartment right by the Vatican, Vatican City, so we got to explore that also. And it's just one of, one of the perks of being able to like live life on your own terms is to actually explore cities like that without being stuck in a desk job. You know, like I used to get like emails during the day and I used to answer them like while having coffee in the morning or, you know, if we have like little breaks and we sat down, I used to answer the emails. But other than that, like the majority of the work was, uh, you know, getting done by my team or outsourced to the freelancers, you know, like most of the business are either automized you know, or delegated onto others, which allows me the time to actually explore cities like Rome and Italy. Like, like I said, you know, that's one of the perks of living life in your own terms. That is what lifestyle design means for me is being able to travel. And of course, just being able to, you know, just being able to, to, to be in control of where you spend your time. You know, if you want to get up at five in the morning, you can. If you want to like lie until 12 and go to bed at three at night, you know, you can. You know, you're basically in control of... I, every factor of your life and i think that is what lifestyle design is to me got it i'm quite similar i love traveling i f- i have my schedule full for the first quarter of uh, 2019 already yeah i'm going to I'll be in hong kong for like a week in january then i'm going to uh thailand i'm going to chiang mai there's a digital nomad summit there yeah and then i'm going to singapore for a week back to hong kong 
uh, for a few weeks and then going to Taiwan, Taiwan for a month and then six weeks in Japan. I'm going to go backpacking for once. I've been looking forward to that for a really long time. But I actually haven't spent a lot of time in Europe. I've only been to, I've been to London and I've been to Zurich. And that was like three years ago. My goal actually is in three years, I wanted to to travel to one fourth of the world, which is roughly 50 countries, right? So that's quite a tall order, but, yeah. uh, you know, just trying to find a way to, to make it happen. I think Europe is a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, like for example, where I, I live in the Netherlands, I literally need to drive two hours and I'm already in either Belgium or Germany. So because everything is so close by, you know, you can, if you really want to, you could literally be in three to four different countries in the space of a day. So I think Europe, if you want to like, uh, see as many countries as possible, I think definitely Europe is a good place to start. So do you drive from country to country or you take a, you take a train? or? I was in Munich last week and drove, uh, which was about eight hours because it's, it's close to Switzerland. It's not actually close to the Netherlands. Uh, but other than that, like I mostly go for uh, no, by, I go by plane, and quick life hack for anyone that's listening and wants to travel, uh, Skyscanner. If you look at cheap flights, so basically I don't actually look at where I want to go. I just click on the month, like for example, it's October now, so uh, I click on October and see which place is cheap at the moment. So for example, like I said, Milan, you can go to Milan really cheap in October. And also like places like Ireland, uh, I think the UK is quite cheap as well in October. So other than Skyscanner, do you have like any other you know, sort of tips or things that you do for travel hacking, like spending as little as possible on uh, travel? So so obviously Skyscanner for the flights and then booking.com. Uh, what I do is when I when I look at uh, apartments and hotels, I filter on uh, free cancellation and strong Wi-Fi. Those like the, the two things that are really important to me. And uh, I just book like maybe four or five different hotels and apartments because they're all with free cancellation anyway. And then once I've got like, once I'm like guaranteed a place to stay, then I actually look into all the apartments, like individually, see which one is better location wise, but also like, you know, in terms of reviews, you know, is it clean? Has it got a double bed? You know, stuff like that. And then uh, I cancel the others and then stay in one place. And uh, obviously because I'm really big into fitness, you know, nutrition does play a part. In, in traveling so I make sure that I have a lot of uh, protein bars you know any type of protein sources with me so I don't need to go out and uh, you know spend a lot of money while I'm there you know if uh, it does come to a situation where uh, I need protein then I've got a protein bar rather than going for like a really expensive meal obviously like I do like to, to go out uh, to eat while I'm traveling but because I follow an approach called intermittent fasting where you fast for like the majority of the day and then you have like two, three big meals later on in the day. I mostly uh, skip breakfast and then have like a protein bar for lunch and then go for a nice meal later on in the day. Yeah, because I, I know that during travel, when you're traveling, I, I always have an issue with stick, staying on top of the fitness. So sometimes if there's a, if I'm staying in a hotel, I would try to yeah. get the gym there. It's really important. But in terms of the nutrition, sometimes it's really hard to stay on top of it. So do you like buy... You buy the protein bars in the, your home country, and then you're bringing them with you to on your travels, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, it's it's quite it's quite tough to like I've speak I've spoken with a, a number of um, location independent uh, friends, and they also uh, one of them uh, t- told me that she was sick for an entire year uh, when she was traveling because she you know she's only spent like three a few days to a week in each country. 
and uh, she just told me it's like it's crazy. Do you prefer sort of like spacing out your your travels, or do you just do them?、Uh, you stay in one location for like a week, two weeks, a month, and then you just switch, or you you space them out so you have like a short trip or a long trip, and then you have some、uh, you know resting time in between in your home country. Yeah, I think the latter for me. So. Um, obviously, most of my travels, apart from、uh, Toronto, have been in Europe, so it's it's easy for me to just go for a week, you know, without losing out on a lot of time with with travel and stuff like that. So、uh, mostly, it's、um, either a long weekend or a week in a country, and then I'm back in the Netherlands again for two weeks,、uh, two three weeks, and then I go back like, to another、uh, destination. That is what I've been doing like lately, and I actually think it's quite quite nice because like I am. More productive in my my own home. Obviously, you know we're、uh, we've got my own desk. I've got strong internet stuff like that. So、uh, like I go for a week,、uh, go traveling, you know, explore, take photos for like obviously my personal brand, you know, get content for the YouTube channel, and just do like the the most necessary things. And then obviously when I'm back home, I go into like I either do like more courses, invest in myself, you know, get more knowledge, and then do the the stuff that I wasn't able to do while I was traveling. And it's just just to keep the balance really between like you know staying productive, getting a lot of stuff done,、uh, scaling the business, and also like enjoying myself、uh, and traveling and exploring other cities. Yeah, definitely. You're traveling, and then you're also managing you know, your business. Is there like sort of a tax or a drawback or a a sort of challenge that you have with this lifestyle? I know I have my own.、Uh, you know, everyone has everyone that's location independent has something that really. Uh, bothers them sometimes.、Uh, for instance, myself is having the like you said proper nutrition because I, I am a really picky eater, and sometimes I do not have access to the food that.、Uh, I, you know, it's funny because I would say this in the、yeah. I'm in New York right now, and、uh, I live a bit away from the city, so from any supermarket or or and so forth. So I have to go out of my way to to buy food. And some mornings I just <laughs> I see like you know just snacks and and carbs and all this stuff, so I just eat junk、yeah. in the morning. Like for me, it's really like food, right? Just getting access to good food. What is it for you、uh, when it comes to you know, living this sort of lifestyle? I think for me,、uh, like as soon as you asked the question, the first thing that came into my mind was、uh, Paris, which was like one of my Uh, like first trips of the year that was like more exploring rather than business. So in January and February I was in、uh, London in the UK a lot for business. So obviously I was in work mode. And then I think it was March or April I went to Paris with my girlfriend, and it was like the first trip that I was sort of exploring as well as like、um, you know having the agency. And I really struggled with being productive because,、uh, like, not everything was outsourced or automized or anything like that. So there was still a lot of things that I still needed to do. And also, I'm quite a perfectionist, so I need to get stuff done, you know, to to feel productive, to to feel like I'm still, you know,、uh, on track, you know, reaching my goals and stuff like that. And I noticed that I, because I was exploring the city so much, I wasn't getting all the stuff. Done that I wanted to do. So for me, it's staying productive while being abroad. It's finding the balance between exploring and、uh, getting stuff done that you need to get done. And like for me, when when I get a task, I think it's Sam Ovens, who's a, like a online consultant、uh, entrepreneur, who says if you get a task and you know you need to do it, just think to yourself, you know, can I automate this? If not, can I outsource it or delegate it? So you know, find a system. 
to 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 do it for you. So, for example, planning uh, social media posts or planning Facebook ads, anything like that. You know, you can use programs like Hootsuite, you got Later.com, Social Sprout to plan the posts, in, you know, in advance. Uh, so the the automatically get posted for you while you're abroad. You know, and if you can't find a system like that, then you know, get someone else to do it for you. So outsource or delegate it to someone else. So, you know, I'm working on it, but still being productive while abroad is like one of the major drawbacks for me. So I'm sure like over the time you have been able to create systems that allow you to uh, automate and outsource the work that or delegate the work that you didn't either is you would not do as well with or you're not being productive or effective with. I think discipline is something that we, we have very hard i have a hard time with i used to think i was quite disciplined person i had all these spreadsheets and uh, stuff like that but once i started working for myself and you know sometimes working from home is is quite tough do you also feel the need to like get out of the house sometime and and work in a coffee shop or some other location other than your house or are you able to find some way to manage it at home because i i've been looking for some sort of solution to that yeah i yeah like so there's like a few little life hacks so for me in terms of discipline i struggled with getting up early so i've actually bought a, a clock that imitates like sunrise so basically if i want to be awake by six o'clock in the morning at 5 30 the the clock slowly starts lighting up and then obviously at uh, six thirty, you know, it's or six o'clock, it's it's full brightness, and it just like imitates sunrise, so you wake up naturally. That in combination with uh, a free iPhone app called Alarmy, which only goes off if you scan a barcode. So I've I've installed it so that I need to scan the barcode of my coffee machine downstairs. So as soon as I wake up in the morning when the alarm goes off. I need to run downstairs to turn the, you know, my alarm off. And it's the worst thing ever, but as soon as you've done that, you know, you're wide awake because you've woke up naturally and then obviously you've got the alarm app to sort of force you out of bed. Uh, so there's like there's little like hacks like that to, to, to stay disciplined. But uh, for me, like one of the, the major keys was um, getting like an actual business partner that's like on my level rather than an outsourcer, getting a business partner to, to basically keep each other accountable we have morning meetings at uh, between seven and eight o'clock in the morning. So you know you have to get up early, and then obviously you've got someone who's who you you feel you feel responsible for your own actions. So you need to uh, you know do the work because someone else is counting on you as well. And in terms of uh, getting out of the house, I've actually got an agreement with an office nearby. That's actually uh, an office owned by a friend of my dad's, and he said you know whenever you feel less productive, you know you're more than welcome to come and sit here. Uh, like it basically just like all oh, like flexible work spots so he says like you know whenever you want you can come and sit here for a few hours got it so we're approaching the end of the podcast do you have any tips for the for the listeners today on how they can if they're in their they're still in their nine to five or they're still um you know they, they started a company but it's sort of like a side hustle what are your tips to breaking out of that and you know, living life on their own terms? Oh, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I think just take action. You know, we live in we live in like a world where there's information overload. You know, we have access to all the knowledge in the world, you know, through the internet. You know, like there's, there's Wikipedia pages on almost any topic. You know, if you can Google the most random things and there's someone out there that has given you an answer, you know, there's so much information. 
And I think that because there's so much information, I feel like uh, people are paralyzed by it. You know, people want to know everything on a on like a business model or topic before they take action. I was the same for the first six months that I knew about social media marketing. I done every course I could get my hands on. I watched every video. I read up on it so much, but I didn't take action because you know I felt like I still needed to know more. So, for example, I was. I was already worried about like getting results for like e-commerce clients when I didn't even have a client to begin with. You know, I was thinking like four steps ahead and trying to understand what to do in that situation before it even took action. So, like my number one tip is just take action. You know, just do it. You know, for, forget about all like the information out there. Drop your ego. You know, allow yourself to to make mistakes and just go for it. Yeah, I think it's the thing about not feeling good enough. I think that's something that、uh, plagues a lot of us, especially our generation, is that we constantly look for more knowledge, more evidence that is sort of reinforcing the fact that we we may not know enough to get started to to jump. And a lot of times, it's after you jump and then you're you're learning the side. You're constantly improving rather than you know everything and then you jump and then. You you start to make things happen. Hundred percent, and I think that also it's I think it's got something to do with that instant gratification. So you can either put in the work, or you can buy like a new course, a new book, you know, like a shiny object, and you feel like you're being productive. You feel like oh, I've just bought this course, so I'm on the right track. But actually, you know, you're just delaying that that point of actually taking action. So I think that, like you said, you know, you just need to take action, and then you know you learn as you go along. And like, there's there's only so many people that take action. I think it's like one percent, ninety nine percent of the people out there that that are you know reading about it, the the studying, they're doing the courses. They they're not taking action. So if you do, you will separate yourself from the rest, and you'll go so much further. And it's kind of funny you say that because I'm also I also have the sales funnels and the courses, and you know it's a sort of a statistic that a majority of the people that buy the courses and a lot of them don't actually even read it. And yeah, that's it. Same for my. Playbook. I can see. I can see who I、like, pages it and who logs in and stuff like that.、Uh, because it's through a program called Teachable. There's still people that are that have purchased the book but have not read it. I'm like, you know, you've you've invested in yourself. You know, you owe it to yourself to take action. You know what I mean? What's the numbers for you on that? Like the people that bought it and then the percentage like that bought it and haven't even opened it or logged in. Um, I'm not 100 sure, but I think it's like 10. Have completed the the ebook out of the people that have bought it, but there's an option to actually save it as a PDF to your computer because it's an ebook. So the majority might have actually downloaded it and read it on the phone rather than through the Teachable program. But、uh, up until now, like ten percent have actually finished the ebook from start to finish. Oh, that's uh, I mean that that's with everything, right? Because sometimes like it's also like course itself.、Uh, that's why some sometimes they have those courses that are like a thousand dollars. Um, because people, if they're paying a thousand dollars, they'd probably be like very, very invested into、uh, spending time on on getting value out of it. Whereas, like for instance, if I sell my twenty seven dollar course, you know, people would look at it, but you know, they're thinking, oh, I, I, I'll look at it another day, or I'll look at it later. And I think also pricing is, plays a big factor in here. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like perceived value as soon as you. Double your price, even though it's the same product. People perceive it as more valuable, and obviously they need to invest more to get it. And because they've invested more, they're more likely to take action. And I think that is indeed where the a thousand dollar comes from. A lot of courses are now priced at a thousand dollars, which 
for some people seems like a lot, but if you take action, if you actually, you know, do what it says in the courses, then you can earn your money. But it's an investment, you know, and investments can make your money back. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Yep. If people like to follow you, check out your ebook. Where can they find you? I think the easiest place, like the place we're most active on, is Instagram, which is uh, Joshua Daniel George. Just uh, no, no underscores, no numbers, not like that. Just Joshua Daniel George, and then from there, if you go to the link in my bio, you've got access to my YouTube channel. Um, I've also got a Facebook group called the AM Club where uh, we basically challenge each other to get up an hour earlier to invest in yourself, you know, uh, do read a book, do a course, anything like that. Um, and it's also got access to like my YouTube channel, the playbook and stuff like that. Great, great stuff. Thanks for coming on the show, Joshua. Thanks for having me, Gilbert. Loved it. There we have it. Joshua Daniel George. For all those that want to get more information, check out his page, check out his ebook. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. You can find more episodes every Tuesday. If you haven't done so, please subscribe for more updates as they come. Until next time.